I was just so excited to preach that I beat the, the song. Um, <laughs> good morning. It's great to be here to worship with you guys today. Um, so I'm going to start with telling a story about a grandma. And I have a feeling that many of you guys are going to be thinking of somebody in the, your head as I tell this story. Um, there was once this grandma who was incredibly, incredibly generous. She was the kind of woman that all of the kids in the neighborhood called grandma. Her couch was always ready to have somebody sleep on. She loved everyone she met, and she never met a stranger, that's for sure. She had a smile on her face, a song in her heart, a hug ready to give, and the joy of the Lord as her identity. She was a woman who didn't have a lot. She lived paycheck to paycheck, but her wallet was, while empty, was never too empty to give to somebody else. Um, she lived in a small trailer, but she always had a house full of people. Nobody ever left hungry. Nobody ever left thirsty. She always had a smile on her face. She always had a song in her heart, a hug to give. But most importantly, the joy of the Lord was her identity. One day she gave her granddaughter a gift. Um, and that, grandma, or that granddaughter knew that grandma didn't have much money to give. And so she said, Grandma, you don't, you don't have to give me this money. I don't need it. You do need it. So don't give it to me. And the grandma was actually really offended. And she stopped and she looked at her granddaughter and she said, Don't you dare block my blessing. To say no to receiving this is trying to steal my joy from me. Don't block my joy, or don't block my blessing. You see, this grandma's identity was so wrapped up in the joy of the Lord that she couldn't help but to give. She couldn't help but to give food, to give clothing, to give a song, to give a hug. She couldn't help it because it is who she was. She was not confined to the ways of the world that are about giving or getting and getting and getting, but rather she was confined to her identity as a child of God of giving and giving and giving. Now, you're going to have to bear with me to get from this point to get to the end of my sermon. I promise it all ties together. But going into our scripture reading for this week is actually going to be kind of confusing. Um, so our scripture today is Luke 3, chapter 7, or Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. Um, you can follow on the screen, you can follow in, uh, on your tablet, your phone, your device. There's Bibles provided in the front pew. Um, just please follow along as we receive this word today. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share them with one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even the tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they said, what should we do? Don't collect more than you are required to. 
Then some soldiers said to him, and then what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely, but be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were wondering in their hearts if John might be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I am will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is the hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with the unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted to the people and proclaimed the good news to them. It's a real joyful chapter right there. Uh, We have to keep in mind as we go into this scripture that this is a retelling of a story. Um, When Luke wrote this narrative, these aren't words that Luke spoke, but rather this was Luke observing John telling people what to do. Um, I love outside perspectives because they help us to get a different viewpoint of things. I want to start with John being mean to the crowd. He calls them a brood of vipers, which if you think about the Old Testament, a brood of vipers is not a good thing. A brood of vipers means that you are being called an evil people. Literally, that's what he meant. And he was saying, you crowd are an evil people. He was trying to give them a perspective that the lives that they were living while they were the people of God, aren't necessarily godly lives. They were lives where they were living maybe in the ways of the world, but they were lives where they were still consumed with the self, consumed with me, consumed with how, I, how do I get to the next step. And he, John was wanting them to understand that the only way for them to truly be God's chosen people was repentance from their selfishness and transformation of the coming Christ. And, and so this kind of made them question, if you're calling me out on this, then what should I do? How do I live this transformed life? <clears throat> And they asked John the question, the the crowd asked John the question, well, what does this mean for us? Simply put, anyone who has two shirts should share with those that don't have any. And anyone who has food, they should do the same thing. John, the the people, the, the crowd that were listening, we need to remember that they were a crowd that lived in exile, Meaning that while they technically weren't in exile anymore, they were a free people. They were able to go worship God where they wanted to. They still lived in that mindset of, I've got to make sure that I have enough for tomorrow. Think about the Jews in the wilderness, right? That God was trying to teach them the lesson of don't collect more manna than you need to, and then it would go bad the next day if they did, Right? And so they had in their mind, mind, though, if I don't have more than what I need, then I may not have enough to make it through tomorrow. And John is telling them that here comes this, or this this guy is coming, and he's going to tell you what I'm telling you now. 
which is you don't need to live in excess. Give away your extras. Give away the food that don't, you don't need. Give away the clothes that you don't need. To live a transformed life in Christ means I'm okay with what I have, and so I give you what I no longer need so that you can have a better life. So from this, and the tax collectors, they were confused because their entire job was what? It was not just taking people's money, but their living was earned by taking not the government's money, but extra on top of what the government required. So they asked, what should we do? And we kind of are required to live off of getting extras. And John's response was, don't collect more than you're required to. So the government says, pay this much money, and that's all you're going to charge. That's kind of a scary thing, because John was saying, you're going to have to be willing to be uncomfortable with what you get from the government, because you're not going to get extra. But rather, by doing this, you are going to be freeing the other, your other Jews, your other um, community members from the financial burden of having to pay more than what is required. You're going to be freeing them from, from debt. For many of these people, they couldn't afford it, and so they just accrued a, a debt. And by the tax collectors not collecting that, they're freeing them from that. They're freeing them from the burden of not having the finances to pay for what they need. So then this confused the soldiers that much more because, well, many of them, their jobs relied on the government, right? Their jobs relied on protecting the tax collectors. Their jobs relied on the excess that was given to them from the government. And if the tax collectors didn't have extra money coming in, then that means that they may not have a job anymore. And so they asked, well, then what should we do? And John replies, don't extort money and don't falsely accuse people. Be content with your pay. Or don't take people's money. Don't, don't try to get in people in trouble with the law just so that you can keep your job. Don't seek out, um, don't seek out trouble, but respond justly. Don't falsely accuse somebody. Don't say that Joe Schmo over here did this thing and they didn't do it. The Jews would do those things, or the, the soldiers would do those things so that they could move their way up in the, the social status. They can move their way up in uh, their rankings. And now, Paul, or now John is saying, don't do that. Don't work your way towards power and success on the backs of people that don't deserve it. Or from the backs of people that don't deserve it. So, again, this doesn't sound very joyful. And believe me, I wrestled with this as I was writing the sermon. Like, this is just not very joyful. So what does this have to do with joy? Because it sounds to me like John was saying that to have joy, we have to give up what we do have. 
to have joy, we can't seek power, we can't seek success, we can't want things. That won't bring us happiness, will it? No, no. If it's happiness that you seek, none of that will bring you happiness. But that's what the expectation that joy and happiness are the same thing. So I'm going to take a quick pause. If you have a neighbor, I want you to turn to your neighbor. If you don't have a neighbor, think about it. Define the word joy without using happiness or an equivalent of happiness to define it. I got some great confused looks up here. If you're confused, don't worry. Merriam-Webster is too. So I pulled up the definition of happiness, and I had to chuckle because the definition of happiness is the feeling of being happy. <laughs> Just saying. So I looked up what is happy. And to be happy is to experience enjoyment of fulfill or and fulfillment in your situation. Right? So happiness is about feeling an emotion based off of an experience. Joy is, wait for it, an expression of happiness with the addition of success in doing or finding or getting something. So according to Merriam-Webster, happiness and joy are both experiential. Right? There are feelings we get when something good comes out of our situations. <laughs> They're not the same. They're not the same. They are different based off of the condition of the heart and the mind. See, happiness comes when we experience something that makes us feel good. It's an emotion expressed when we are enjoying a situation. Happiness comes from moments that bring things, or where things are better than what they could be. So let's think about that. Think of the moments of happiness in your life. Think of times where you were your happiest. Those were experiential, right? that happiness then tends to fade as the moment fades away. You see, happiness fluctuates when things seem to be going good or going bad. We, like the crowd, tend to seek happiness. Here's how. And by we, I don't mean like just we as the church. I mean we as a society seek happiness we seek happiness by having the next best thing. We seek happiness by having more clothes than what we need. If I'm honest, I only wear about 25% of the clothes that are in my closet. Right? It's about having the finer food, the newest gadgets, the coolest shoes, the newest cars, right? These things, they bring us happiness, and it's fantastic for a moment, but then the new phone comes out. Then the new car comes out. Then the new clothes come out, right? And we're like, ooh, we got to have this. Ooh, I got to have this. And so what we do have is now no longer bringing us happiness because we want the next best thing. 
um, with happiness, what we have is no longer good enough. We're no longer satisfied, so our happiness fades. And then we, we, we can also identify with the soldiers or with the tax collectors who tend to seek happiness by receiving things. We are people that are like, Ooh, I would like it if somebody bought me this, right? Pregnancy's taught me this lesson. Let me tell you what, I just want to reach out to people all the time and say, hey, you going to Taco Bell? This literally happened on Friday because I wanted some tacos, right? Happiness is receiving things from others because it's going to make us feel good. And it's not just receiving a gift from somebody um, one time, but it's when somebody pays us back, it feels good to be repaid. When somebody... When we give somebody a present, it feels good when they give us a present in return. When we do something for somebody, it feels great when we can call them up the next time and say, hey, can you do this thing for me? Remember that time I did it for you? And then it makes us feel good when they give us back those things. And so like the tax collectors, it feels good to be repaid. We also tend to seek happiness like the soldiers do, seeking power and status. We, we talked about this a while back with James and John desiring power and status by being Jesus' right and Jesus' left, right? Uh, and it's, he's saying, John, John the Baptist is saying, don't desire to, to have that power and success. Because once we get that next step, yeah, that's great, I got this promotion. And a year later, we're no longer content in our positions. And so we strive for the next thing, and yeah, I got it. And now I don't want this position anymore because I want the next best position. And then, yeah, I got it. I made the team captain. Right? I finally am the top of the, the corporate ladder. No more glass ceiling for me. And then the next boundary comes in place, and we're no longer happy with what we have. And the problem with that, though, especially moving up, is that we forget to look to our right and to our left, to those people that deserve those positions. We forget to look at them and say, they need those things too. And so instead of pushing for them to receive the next best thing, we push them aside. We break that relationship for the next best thing. And those broken relationships no longer have that happiness because you don't have the relationship you once had. And you see, happiness, especially at the expense of somebody else, if you think about that, all of those happinesses that I listed are at somebody else's expense. Happiness at the expense of someone else will fade and we no longer will feel fulfilled. So we continue to seek more and more and more, and we are never filled. We're never brought joy. We're never brought happiness. So if those aren't happiness, and if those aren't joy, what is joy? 
The joy of the Lord comes when we take what we do have and when we give it away freely. I feel like I sped through this today. Y'all are getting out of here early. But I'm going to say that again. The joy of the Lord comes when we take what we have and we give it away freely. It's not even about giving away because we don't need it. Right? Because we have lots of things that we don't need that it wouldn't be a big problem to just be like, ah, here we go, put it on the street corner, let somebody else pick it up for me. We have lots of those things. It's about giving it away to better the life of somebody else. Um, this isn't in my sermon, but I experienced this yesterday, and it was a really cool thing. Um, so I don't know how many of you guys know this, but we have a Christian dance studio here in Battle Creek just up the road. Um, and it's called In His Steps. And we, I went to their recital yesterday, and in the middle of it, um, they get up and they talk about how God can use the crowd, basically, for good things. And then they do this um, mad minute, right? Miracle minute. They do a miracle minute. And in this miracle minute, the, the dancers run around their sanctuary of First West, huge sanctuary, collecting money. And they use that money to better organizations or better people's lives in Battle Creek. Um, and they've done several different organizations over the last five years. And um, they decided this year they're going to do something a little different. They're going to, instead of having one person or one organization, they're going to pick individuals that are part of the studio, right? Not all. Okay, yeah, and, and people, individuals throughout Battle Creek who really, they're hurting this holiday season and could use just a little bit of extra money to make it through. And they're going to take the money and they're going to give it out. Um, and then they start the timer and 60 seconds go by and there's just a mad rush of dancers running around the studio and they're happy to do it. They're happy to hand out these buckets for people to fill up with their money. And not everybody's putting in big chunks. People threw in their spare change. Some people put in a 20, a 10, a 5. Um, the lady in front of me wrote a check for $75. Like, there, there's people that are giving because they see that they have a little bit of extra to give. They don't, may not have enough to cover somebody else's entire electric bill, but they do have a 20 bucks that they can give. And so there's this excitement buzzing in the air and then at the end, he gets up and he announces that they're just under $5,000 from reaching, being able to impact lives in our community. Now, that not only does that make us feel good, but it was the joy of them giving to better the lives of somebody else. And they intentionally said, we're not going to tell you who's receiving this money because, well, you don't need to know. Trust us to be faithful with, with what you have given as you have freely given it away. I don't think that these people gave just because it's a miracle minute and it's a fun thing to do. I believe that they gave because they had the joy of the Lord in their hearts saying, give freely of the extra money that you have in your wallet right now. You see, that's true joy. Giving freely from what you have. 
It is giving and living generously through the transforming work of Jesus Christ in your life. It is giving and living generously through the extras or through the transforming work of Jesus Christ in your life. The next one that Paul addresses is, is with, or what, that I keep wanting to say Paul, that John the Baptist addresses is the joy of, or is, is um, to the tax collectors, right? And for us, it's the joy of the Lord comes when we forgive debts instead of receive repayment for them. The joy comes when you give somebody a gift without expecting a gift in return. It's not letting somebody repay you for your money, your time, or your service. It is, joy is being free from the obligation of getting back what you have given away. I'm going to pause on that for a second. We, we like to think and get excited when people pay us back. But if we're not careful, if we don't stop and we don't reorient ourselves, we're always going to be living in the stress of anxiety about why doesn't this person ever pay me back? Why doesn't this person ever pay attention to me? Why am I not good enough for this person? Right? But true joy is giving up that anxiety. True joy is saying, I'm not going to hold against them what I have given them freely. It is forgiving them for the debts that they owe you. It is forgiving them of the, the time and the money and the resources that you have given and just letting them have what you have, you have it available. True joy is forgiving others' debts through the transforming work of Jesus Christ. And then the third one that's address, or that John addresses is the joy of the Lord comes when we stop seeking power and when we stop seeking success. True joy is not using other people to gain success in our workplaces. It is not seeking to move our way up our job and or up society in our jobs. It is embracing where we are at and staying there. It's being content with all that we currently have and allowing the Holy Spirit to use us where we are. True joy, or joy is being free from the desire for power and for success. It's not about getting the next best thing or climbing the social status or, or making room for yourself in the world. True joy is about being content in our circumstances through the transforming work of Jesus Christ in our lives. Think about that. True joy comes through the transforming work of Jesus Christ in our lives. It's not about how much you have. It's not about how much you don't have. It's about your desires. You see, when we desire happiness, we desire our own needs being met. When we desire happiness, we desire our own wants being fulfilled. But when we desire the Holy Spirit, when we desire a transformed life through the Holy Spirit, then we get a life that is full of joy, 
a life that is full of an outpouring of Christ. Having joy is the result of pursuing God and allowing his transformation in your life. Transformation of the Holy Spirit reveals itself as a new part of our identity. Joy. Joy is our identity. It is, um, joy is when we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us into something new. And when we allow that transformation to happen, we find ourselves receiving the joy of the Lord. It's an expression of our identity in which we freely give, we refrain, refrain from greed, and we become content in our circumstances. We find ourselves free to no longer be controlled of the things of this world, or when we find ourselves no longer controlled by the things of this world, no longer controlled by having more, that we find freedom from those things, and in that freedom we find the joy of the Lord, and, and in that freedom we, re, we send that joy out to give to those that do need what we have. This transformation happens when we find our no, ourselves no longer living in abundance, no longer expecting people to repay us because we're free from those expectations of others. Joy, true joy is when we find ourselves living free from the constraints of the world and from our possessions so that we, we are no longer gaining from the world. So what is joy? What is joy? Joy is freedom in Christ through the transformation of the Holy Spirit. Joy is lived out through generosity, contentment, and freedom from greed. So if we want to live a joyful life, that's where we find ourselves. Free from the constraints of this world. Free from society's expectations of us. Free from desiring the best for ourselves and instead bettering the lives of those, especially those in need, around us.